The last few weeks, there have been a number of discussions taking place around the continent, and I mean Canada and the United States, primarily in the United States, though, about the place of and the value of gifted education programs. What sparked the controversy and the dialogue in the press um, over gifted education programs was the fact that the city of New York had decided that it was going to disband all its gifted education programs. This is the city of New York, which has the responsibility for all the schools in the greater New York City area. So that led to a lot of other jurisdictions talking about gifted education and whether it's of value and who should participate and whether or not it should continue. It seemed to me that in order to understand the controversy and perhaps to shed some light on it, it would be best if I explored my background because I am the product of a gifted education program and I'll explain that. When I was in grade three, probably, which is way back when, in the early 1950s, there must have been some form of testing that was done. But I was part of a group of 10 or 11 or 12. None of us in the program can remember how many there were. But there was a group of us at Glenridge School, where we grew up in the south end of St. Catharines, who were put into an accelerated program. Acceleration meant that we did more grades in fewer years. So when I began school in September, I was in a grade three class. And then during the period of time between the fall and the winter, we went into a grade four class. Well, we were taught grade four content. And then we were taught grade five content. So we did three grades in two years. And when we began grade six, we began, we began with boys and girls, kids, who were anywhere from 6 to 12 months older than us. There's a whole discussion about whether it's of value to keep kids back because then they'll be older and they'll, they'll be with their, they'll be the um, oldest in the class rather than the youngest in class. I'm not going to go down that path right now because it's not really germane to what I want to say. So in grade six, I can remember very clearly the teacher was the principal of Glenridge School and he always he always favored me because we walked home from school together. Mr. Her lived up the street from where where I grew up and he went home every day for lunch with his wife. He married late 
and so he had a he had a late stage marriage and probably not really late because he probably was 45 rather than 35 or 30 but i remember walking with him and at the end of the year he told me that he was looking forward to to um following the course of my development my grandfather my mother's father always said that i was special he always said that he knew i was going to make a difference in the world so in those days how did what did it mean to be gifted or advanced we stood out from our age mates because maybe we had a broader sense of a broader uh, knowledge base or we were good at problem solving it's so long ago it's difficult to think about going back to seeing how it was measured but i remember grade 6 being one of the youngest and being teased because i was socially maladroit i didn't know how to interact i was um unsure of myself by that time uh my father was already starting to indicate that he was suffering with his own mental health issues and being the eldest of four boys i was the one that suffered more than my younger brothers so it's difficult to know just what would have happened if i'd grown up in a different home home and house environment but i was very troubled by the time i went into grade 7 i was marked as being gifted advanced able to able to take on other um other educational challenges in grade 8 by this time i don't remember what happened in grade 7 but but in grade 8 myself and a group of the kids that went were with me that were accelerated we were chosen to be part of a special pilot program in the district school in in those days it was the city of st catherine schools called the major achievement class we went a half a day every week to a school in the center of the city we went by district and we were in a special class and the teacher was doris barton i remember her being very short and very kind but we were all tested as having had iqs in the mid to high 140s range in those days the only way in which we were tested was iq and that was the stanford binet iq test and now there's a whole discussion about whether or not that was biased or not but remember that was a time when there were st catherine's was a white anglo-saxon protestant community essentially and there were a few jews and a few armenians and a few chinese and that was it but we were tested and we went to the major achievement class at memorial school and we each picked topics that we were interested in doing research in and then we made presentations to our class 
our group of students. And uh, we had a very informal relationship in the classroom with Mrs. Barton. We didn't sit in rows. We sat in circles and we had discussions. And one of the things we did was we used program reading because obviously one of the standards of comparison was how well we were able to read. I know because of later on when I was a classroom teacher, there is a difference between those who read in a grade two, three, four level and those who can read at a grade 11 and 12 and older level. And tests can show that. When I was a classroom teacher, we used the the Canadian set of standard skills and um, uh, we knew the students who were reading at a low elementary level and those that were reading at a high uh, secondary level. But in any case, we had wonderful sessions. And one of the things we did was we used the, in those days, program learning from the uh, uh, SRA. Uh, I guess it would be Student Research Associates or Scholastic Research Associates. And we read pieces that were a challenge to us. And we proceeded through the levels to reading that challenged us. And that's the key there. When we were that age, it was all about challenging us. Because, and here I'm going to leap into another area that I put down in my notes to talk about a little bit later. But in more recent research, uh, Lev Vygotsky, who was a, a pedagogist, showed that each of us has a zone of proximal development at every age and stage. We have an area where we're bored with and an area where we are challenged at. Whatever the skill, whatever the, the, uh, uh, whatever the um, outcomes are, some of us have a very narrow zone of proximal development and others have a very large zone of proximal development. But all of us are frustrated when the work is too easy, we become bored. And all of us are frustrated when the work is too hard, we turn away because we can't deal with it. We feel inadequate. So Lev Vygotsky showed us that every student has their own zone of proximal development. And I guess one of the standards for gifted education way back then was that there were students who were going through the school system whose zone of proximal development was higher than the zone of the average age mate in their class. That's why we got accelerated. That's why we were in the major achievement class. In high school, I went from being in the top of my class to the bottom of my class. I was in the low 80s in my average in grade 7 and grade 8. And then I failed in grade 13. Technically speaking, you needed to pass nine provincial examinations in grade 13, and I only passed eight, 
which meant that I didn't have enough to get into university. But that's a conversation for another podcast. But I failed. Bottom line, I failed. So what does that say about my academic ability? Well, you need to know that through my high school years, today when I look back on it, I was clinically depressed. My family was very dysfunctional. My mother was having trouble with my father. My father was struggling with his father. There was nothing but fighting, and I had three younger brothers, and I could go on and on and on, but I was not in a good place. So by the time I got to grade 13, I was no longer functioning the way I was meant to function or the way I look back and know I could have functioned. So did the gifted education program do that to me? According to some of the comments I've read the last couple of days, gifted education is useless. It does nothing. But I don't agree with that position. I think gifted education has to be looked at in terms of what we say now about the need for individualized instruction. We now know that each of us is an individual learner. We see the world through a pair of eyes that is shaped by our ability, our experiences, our um, our age mates and our friends and our family. Everything plays a role in how we progress through the educational system. We know that we can no longer see a group of students as a group of age mates who are all more or less at the same stage of development. Developmental psychology and and medical uh, analysis of how children develop says that no two children develop the same way. Each of us develops. We become mature physically at different times. We become mature emotionally at different times. We have a very unique road through our adolescence and into our adulthood. And so when we teach a group of students, we have to understand that we're not looking at a uniform group, a homogeneous group. They're a very heterogeneous group. And if you add on top of that today that we live in very diverse societies, we can have children in our classrooms who are from um, a wide variety of, of, of ethnic, religious, sexual, economic backgrounds. And each of those children requires a a tinkering with, uh, a playing around with what we can expect from them in the classroom and how we approach them in the classroom. So now we know that we have to think about a class as a group of individuals. And then gifted education has a role to play. What we know about gifted education has a role to play in helping us tailor classroom programming for the students who are bored by 
the things that the rest of the class does. We know that there's a group of students at the top who learn quickly. We know that there's a group of students at the bottom who have a great deal of difficulty keeping up. And we know there's a wide group of students in the middle who are just average. I remember telling my students at Niagara University that our problem is, is that we seem to believe that A, a grade of A, means the student's doing well. And anything less than an A is not good. And I remember telling my students that the goal should be a B. A B means average. A B means average ability, average um, accomplishment, average achievement, and so on. And if you have a son or a daughter, all you really want is that they be average, that they succeed, they enjoy going through school, but then there are those that are exceptional and that we know we need to challenge their exceptionalities in a different way. I once had a class of students, when I had these were in a school where I had a class of grade fours, and the Canadian Test of Basic Skills told me in grade three they were reading anywhere from a grade one level to a grade 12 level. How on earth in a class like that can you teach to the middle of the class? Doesn't it stand to reason that those who are at the grade 12 level in their basic skills need to have a different program than those are in the, that those are that are in the grade 1 and grade 2 and grade 3? This is grade 4, remember. So, we don't want anymore to say, okay, those in the primary, reading at the primary level, they're in one reading group. And those that are in the top are in another reading group. And then there's another reading group in the middle. Because you know what happens. We get labeled. We get labeled as not achieving, smart, and just so-so. That's why individualization is so important. Comes the revolution, if I were asked, there should be no grades. There should be continuous learning. If you go back to my having been in an, um, in an accelerated class, when we went from grade 3 to grade 4 to grade 5, it was because we were able to learn at an accelerated rate. Why did it stop in grade 6? It should have continued on. But the school system is huge. And so there wasn't the ability to compartmentalize individual students. We have to get to the point where instead of talking about gifted education or special education for those that are struggling, we have to get to the point where we see every group of students as a continuum and look for ways to individualize instruction so that we can help those who are learning quickly move faster and those who are learning slower get more. 
gifted education then becomes giving the better students more independence and a greater stake in their own learning, challenging them not to keep them busy, but challenging them to keep their minds productive and performing at the high end of their zone of proximal development rather than at the middle of the zone of proximal development or being held back by those who are at the bottom of the zone of proximal development. Each child has their own learning style and their own way of seeing the world and we need to, instead of talking about gifted education, Gifted education and special education, we have to get through rid of the labels and see each child as unique and entitled to an education befitting their experiences, their background, and their ability so that every child has a chance to succeed.